0: Aloha, this is Joe, aka the Curvy Geeky Fangirl, and I'm back yet again for the Curvy Geeky Fangirl podcast, aka CGF Recaps. This is where I talk about all of the geeky fun things that I have found in TV, film, and other media. Usually that's a book. Usually that's a book. Um, But I have yet to touch on those topics because I haven't left TV. In quite some time but that's okay It's gonna continue consistency so as you know this is the place and the space for all of that you can find me all over your local interweb i am on instagram i'm on twitter that's pretty much it social media wise and that's already put making it a stretch i'm the most active on twitter everything else is kind of a suggestion I'm also on com. That is the home website for me. You can also find me doing some things with For All Nerds. Check out their space, ForAllNerds.com. I am the lifestyle and fashion editor, title only, for, the, <laughs> for that space. And I do have a, quite a few articles up there on that space. So check it out when you get the chance. Uh, as you guys know, I do this wiki podcast, basically recapping everything I've got my eyeballs on and this week it was a lot of TV and film, so I'm going to be talking about the DC TV that happened: Black Lightnings, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, the Type Titans. Titans had another episode, and of course that elseworld crossover: The Gem, The Gem, The Renaissance. I don't think that's how you say that, but it's happening. Also, I'm going to be touching on Midnight Texas. Uh, Sabrina had a Christmas special that dropped, or should I say a Solstice special that dropped, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Midwinter's Tale. Uh, we also had, I also came across some new geeky stuff to check out and talk about, which I will get into as well. It's going to include a Netflix TV show called Tidelands that is quite interesting and very much rooted in mythology. And then also I got to check out uh, Spider-Man. In into the Verse? Spider-Man Into the... I'm gonna figure out that title. I know it's just very long, but I got to catch that as well over the weekend. So, with the exception of the latest Spider-Man movie that dropped, everything else is gonna be spoiler-filled. So, if you haven't seen the stuff I'm about to talk about, pause it here. Catch up. Check it out. I do these podcasts on purpose about a week after everything shows so that everybody's got time to catch up. So. Know that when I get into DC TV, Midnight Texas, and Sabrina, we are going heavy on spoilers. But I will pull back for the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, I believe it's called. Because it's just so good, and it just came out, and I'm going to reserve. I'm going to actually try and watch it a second time before I give full spoilery reviewness. So there you go. So spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Spoilers ahead. All ye beware we're going to be jumping right into DC TV starting with Black Lightning right after this All right we're going to be jumping right into Black Lightning and oh, what is happening So Black Lightning went from being one of my favorite shows to turn to to a show where I'm just I'm just like, "Well, you know what? Nothing am thinking about it. A show that lives up to DC standards." So I mean, you can take that as a read or shade or facts, I choose facts. So it's not to say that it's terrible right now. It's not terrible, it's, it's, just, it's just not good. Okay, here, so we're into chapter two of the Jen saga for some reason. I should have known that we were gonna camp here for a bit. They've been doing this trend uh, with the newest season of Black Lightning where they have a book and they gave it a title and then we have at least three chapters to this book so it's like a book of whatever yeah 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 yeah. chapters one two and three they've been doing that and now we're into the jen storyline and it's no different i don't you know to be fair in the way that they've been setting everything up they they did let us know we go on three parts into all of the stories including jen's so we're only in the second oh my god we're only in the second part of jen's Okay, oh, this I don't okay. Maybe I'm just too damn old to care about the Jess story, <laughs> which is to say a lot. I am watching this on the CW. This is a network that is geared towards much younger people, a much younger demographic than a thirty-something-year-old. So there's that. I also just it feels to me like there's a lot of characters that are completely going out of character right now with the storyline. I understand they need to build up the stakes when it comes to Jennifer. So like so I'm just gonna focus on the Jennifer. Well it was all Jennifer. It's all Jennifer part, but especially everybody else's reactions to the the Jennifer storyline that's happening. We're supposed to be seeing her family on edge. Like they're trying to get a hold of her. Nobody feels they can reach her. She's in serious danger and we're supposed to be see we're supposed to see them unraveling just losing it and we do but it feels so unearned is that a thing maybe that's a thing to me it just feels it feels out of the blue that everybody's just like mariah carey wall sliding over the fact that jen is not not with them i mean it's not to say that she was dismissive and that we should have thrown her away a long ago but i feel like the stakes they built up to showcase jen Jen's unhappiness and Jen wanting to get out. And then also the reaction from the rest of the family, it felt like it was overnight. I mean, we spent a good part of the first season with Jen being afraid of having the powers in the first place. We even spent a nice little part of the beginning of the second season with Jen terrified about her ability. And now all of a sudden, and I I talked about this ad nauseum last episode, but now all of a sudden we got Jen like, they don't understand me. They ashamed of me type of situation. And I'm like, where did this come from? Jennifer, weren't you like melt crying in your bathroom just two episodes ago? Anyway, so to continue on with the stupid Jennifer storyline, we got her and Khalil still on the run. Khalil is in bad shape. He got cut by Cutter. Again, is that really the name? Is that really the name of this character? Okay, so this girl, who, according to Gamby, might be a low-level telekinetic because she can dodge bullets. It seems like she's the domino of this world, meaning that she knows how to work these odds in her favor, very Hunger Games-esque. She's got these blades that she uses, which I think is smart. Guns you have to reload. Blades, you don't gotta do that. You just gotta stick somebody and then take them right back out. You're good. So... She uses blades. Um, when it comes to meta's though, she let she let the viewers know. She puts poisons on, on the blades when she's gotta deal with meta's. And when Khalil's case, she managed to get in a cut with a poison blade. So it's a matter of time before Homeboy falls down dead. Tobias hears about this and he is not happy about that, because he wants to be the one to kill Khalil. So now he's like, Go find him and make sure he doesn't die at your hand and make sure he's shipping to me so he can die at my hand. Cause yeah, so she's on the trail and we get a lot of Jennifer standalone with Khalil. Khalil is fading. He is quickly succumbing to some kind of fever, sweaty situation, in and out of consciousness They have a lot of heart to hearts, a lot of Jen freaking out. I know there's a lot of people who love the Jen-Khalil couple them. I am not one of them. I don't understand why these two need each other or like each other, to be honest. Now, if you're giving me... Khalil from first season, Khalil who had it together, who was the rock for Jen, maybe. But this Khalil post dreadlock, terrible dreadlock, post terrible bad decisions, post still not really taking responsibility for his stupid ass antics, not understanding and constantly being saved by Jen. Constantly being saved by Jen. Anywho, not only that, in Jen's storyline, we have her straight up torturing a stranger. Right, I mean, I mean, they're trying to showcase that the person she does, she does torture, who is Cutter, is somebody who we're supposed to think might deserve it. She is the one that put Khalil in the state that he's in. And they've been trying to showcase that Khalil and Jennifer, you know, they Bonnie and Clyde right now. They ride or die for each other. So she's gonna do whatever it takes to get to keep him safe. But uh, we're talking full violence. Like she's threatening to murder this woman. She literally cuts her, like, talks about, like a lot. A lot of things happen. And granted, I'm sure they had to show it to an extreme, A, to show that Cutter, it would take a lot for Cutter to give up him any kind of information. And B, that Jennifer means it. But I just, it just was like, what the fuck? Like it did a lot of the time. I'm just watching this like, uh, is this the same Jennifer character? Or any of them, the same character? We had a whole moment with Black Lightning full on freaking out broad daylight talking about how he needs to go find Jennifer and just trying to take off and fly no costume okay it is a stretch to say that this black lightning costume actually protects his identity it doesn't it's literally like clear sunglasses and then like this superboy suit that's a stretch it is a stretch to say that that covers his identity but it's something versus him in like a full regular jefferson pierce outfit just about to fly and we're supposed to take it as he's at his his wit's end like he he is desperate and just trying to find Jen but it came it came across so quick with no real weight to a lot of the decisions they were talking about because a lot of it was compacted for time compacted for the storyline and compacted for the events they got to put put in motion coming up so to me it, a lot of this episode just felt really really rushed and a lot of stuff just came out of nowhere. And I feel like we don't need to be in this Jen storyline this much longer. I understand there's gonna be at least one more episode, if not more, of this dumb storyline. But why, why do we need, <laughs> why do we need this? Why do we need this actor of rebellion for Jen to figure out how to use her powers? Why can't it be literally anything else? Anything else? I'm <laughs> eh, eh, eh. So that's happening. Good things that came out of this episode. I did like that Jen had a full sit down with her mental self. So she had, she went to her safe space and managed to see her name's always gonna be Maxine. I'm so sorry. I know she has an actual name for the show. She's just always gonna be Maxine. So she sees her counselor Maxine in her head who portrays one version of herself. Uh, And then she also sees another side of herself. And this side of herself is like fabulously dressed fantastic makeup and she talks about how she's her fear sure but i did like that we had this my really minor moment for jen to reflect and figure out her own strengths cool could we have put this in any other context absolutely did it need to be this one no but we got it we got it so i mean the good news out of this dumb storyline is that jen is becoming a lot stronger I'm a fan of the actress. I really want to like this character. Right now, they're making it really hard. So, man's happening. Um, but like I said, the good things that also came out of it, more Tobias. I love me more Tobias. He didn't really have a whole lot of action in this episode. It was mostly him talking about how he needs to kill Khalil and also how he was trying to get this boys, they introduced to a new character called Todd. Todd got screwed over in an internship or a scholarship something of some sort to a white counterpart. And I believe he's an engineer. And they were just like, we can't have you in the group for whatever reason. He rightfully points out that the boy who did win the scholarship and or internship happens to be the son of somebody very wealthy who donated it to the school. And they were just like, eh, eh, whatever, bye. He has a thing about being touched. So I have a feeling we're gonna touch, they're going to rope that into a longer story for Todd. Uh, but Big Bad Tobias is trying to get Todd because he wants to use Todd for something. We don't know what it is yet, but he is putting out all the stops. He is trying to get him girls. He's trying to do all kinds of, give him a higher status when he enters into the club. It works. It works. He pays him, gives him mad money. Todd's like, oh, I feel like I should ask more questions, but I'm not gonna, I'm in. That happens. I find it very interesting that Todd doesn't like to be touched. So that was interesting. Like Tobias sits in between two girls who are you know, these beautiful women next to him. And you would think he'd be like, yeah, ladies. But instead he's like, oh God, no. Like it's just like, just like, not even like in a sexual way of any kind. Just like, oh, they have germs. Like a, <laughs> like a huge, huge situation for him. I'm interested to see where this goes. The guy who plays Todd was also in the Power Rangers movie. He played Billy. He played another black nerd type. So it'll be interesting to see where we're going with this particular one. We also got the hint of a new, another new baddie coming through. And it's Teleporter. So you got this guy who I think is at a place in Texas? Or just a bar with a lot of white people who look very country. And he is just killing them. He's just murdering them left and right. There's a whole scene where like, there's like a sole survivor and he knows this guy can teleport. So he's trying to like, I don't even think really trying. He's just kind of holding the gun, waiting for the guy to pop up again. And of course he always misses him. And then eventually he dies. But this teleporter was giving me some fantastic attitude. He takes a call. He's like, I'll be there. Pretty sure it's Tobias who's like, I need you to go kill somebody. Cool. So um, he's definitely gonna come into play in the larger scheme of things for Black Lightning. But I feel like we won't see anything, truly see anything until they come back from break. And it's gonna be a nice, a nice while until they come back from break. So I think it's a January 21st is when they're coming back. So whew, we got a long time to about a month, about a month to go before we see any new episodes of Black Lightning. And that's pretty much it. This episode of Black Lightning, like I said, I'm not on board with the Jennifer crying game situation that's happening. I'm glad she's learning more about herself, but we don't need Khalil for this ride. We don't need Lynn's messy self. Lynn, who kind of fluctuates between being completely self-aware and knowing what to do and total hot mess. And not even in like a seamless way. It's a very noticeable... It feels like it was edited weird. Like they were like, we need all the crying scenes together and then all of her just being straight, fine. And then somebody else was like, no, we need to intermingle them. And they were like, yeah, we're not gonna reshoot anything. We're just gonna (laughs) post it up as is with her a, a vicious wreck and then her totally fine. That's fine. No one will know, so bazaar all over the place but that was pretty much it for black Lightning. i'm going to be jumping into legend of tomorrow right after this what up everybody it is joe aka the curvy geeky fangirl and i just want to take a moment to talk to you guys about forallnerds.com so you guys know if you've been listening i am a contributor or was a contributor to a lovely podcast slash pop culture media sensation called fanbros.com uh They've recently gone through a name change because this one's just better and it is called forallnerds.com. They are still doing the podcast also under the For All Nerds name. So you should definitely check it out if you get the chance. Your girl has recently been elevated in title. So I am now the fashion and lifestyle editor for forallnerds.com. So if you get the chance, absolutely take it, go ahead and check it out, check out the website. It's fancy and new, it's just so shiny and bright. I've got articles there. My first ever interview is there. It's done with Marcy Harrell, if you get the chance. I also have my regular fandom fashion breakdowns. And I'm trying to do something a little newer by including articles about where you can buy already ready-made geek fantastic outfits at stores that are centered around that dynamic. So check out forallnerds.com check out their podcast for all nerds get in on this geeky information this geeky insight it is told by geeks of color from the perspective of nerds of color because yes all of the things and whatnot all right legends of tomorrow also came back with its its junk food goodness and it's going to be real easy to sum it up because it basically was a cleanup from the previous episode of Constantine and Charlie making a mess of the timeline entirely. So basically we see the after effects of that with their shortcuts and them thinking that, oh, we could do this and do that and everything's going to be fine. And of course there being crazy consequences to everything. And eh, I mean, it was cute. I, they had some really funny moments. I love that in one of the timelines and it, when it's just the guys that are left they're they call themselves the custodians of the, chron- the chronology. <laughs> that was hilarious. Their whole like Charlie's Angels kind of like seek C- more A-team, A-team-esque kind of like intro. Like, what's up? It's us. Hilarious. Uh, I also love the girls. The girls team up. We got to see a lot of human Gideon and both of them and with the guys with the custodians of the chronology <laughs> she's still vr but she got to be in a human form so we got to see the actual human voice of gideon so that was very cool and then with the girls they call themselves the sirens of space time and we and she is in human form gideon but she used to fight in her human form it's hilarious i loved all of it that was hysterical um what i don't get though well no okay yeah what i don't get though is uh what they're doing with the mona i almost said copay which is that's that's the incorrect way to say it it's how the show says it that's incorrect way to say it the cowpe and in the cowpe storyline like they they left that kind of dangling and that's probably because it ties into the bigger story with hank creating a whole side mission or side project uh with all of these monsters they're finding you know who, who have escaped to this hell realm dimension Yeah, place. So, I was kind of hoping for more information on that, but we didn't really get any of that. Um, that was pretty much it. The biggest reveal was that a Constantine and Des have have to meet. Like that was a cemented point in the timeline. But not only that, they have to stay together. Like Des has to get taken by a demon and go to hell. Like that was all a cemented point. And then we find out why. Towards the very, the very, very end of the episode, we get a huge reveal in that Hank is, crea- who, who created that whole side project with the, um, oh, what did he call it? It's like Mission Hades or something, or Project Hades. He did that for this boss. And the boss we see that he's golfing with or whatever and trying to impress, it's Dez. It's Dez. So we know it's the demon. So it's really the demon as Des who's doing all this. So he either also escaped the hell realm and is trying to round up hell creatures for some complete takeover or he's doing it to fuck Constantine or all of the above. But we know he's now a big player in the game, which is kind of nice because we get to see the actor who plays Des a lot more. I'm a fan. Man, is gorgeous. But also it, I liked how it eventually tied in this random madcap we had with Constantine and Charlie. Because other, as random as Legends is, they usually loosely try to tie these adventures into the overarching story. And at first it was like, this is really weird. Like (laughs) this side story about Constantine trying to change points in time and, and Charlie like really fighting him or no, fighting the others on it and trying to do it too. It was kind of random, but... No, now it makes sense. This is why we had to tie all that in. This is why we needed to show it was a fixed point. And this is how we got to got introduced to us. So there you go. We got all of that. Um, I didn't really care for the whole story part of, this is why Charlie needs to be a part of the legends because otherwise they'd just be killing monsters with no empathy. They'd just be apathetic hunters. I, I didn't really buy that. I understand they were trying to tie in why this character needed to be a part of the team because now, since we no longer have Amaya, we still have the actress who plays her and we don't want to necessarily get rid of her. We've got to show how Charlie becomes a better fit for Legends. It's a nice way to tie in how they started looking at these creatures versus, you know, they're complete monsters, get rid of them, kill them now. (laughs) Or, you know, are they just, you know, in the wrong place at the wrong time type of creatures situation. I I got why we tied that in there. I didn't really care for the standalone on all of that. It was, that was pretty much the whole episode. Charlie and her feelings and then realizing, oh yes, I am integral to the team. Constantine deep into his feelings. Although I will say I love Constantine unhinged and crazy. Hysterical. He's losing his mind. He knows what he did was completely wrong, but he also still wants to save Dez and also be completely selfish and not have to deal with any of the consequences that he did. Realizes he can't and ends up having to do it. Constantine really reminds me of Spike. And that's probably on purpose. Now that I'm thinking about it. They both have English accents. They're both blondes. They both smoke a lot way into jackets. So I'm pretty sure that's, that's... why it's happening that way but it does yeah random thought there but yeah so that's really all that happened with legends um we're the legends are no closer to figuring out that big hank has a whole side project and like i said we didn't get more anything else happening with the mona calpe situation now the timeline is fixed that should still place her in that parking garage with two i'm presuming dead bodies and her trying to get that fire alarm so Yeah, I'm interested to see where that goes. Oh, I will say, we did manage to get some standout time with Gary. So Gary, or Charlie turns into Gary. And we get to see a different style of Gary pop up instead of like the grinning, crazily optimistic goof. We usually see he's like this, well, he's Charlie. So he's like this very sarcastic, very like, what the hell? I don't have time for all of this type of persona. It was hysterical. I loved it. I loved all of it. It was pretty good. Well, that part, that part was pretty good. Everything else, I could take it or leave it. But if I could say it was a filler, it was a fun filler episode. I'll say that. It was a fun filler episode. Had a lot of moments where I laughed out loud, which is what Legends does. When it's it's at its best, that's what it's doing. So was this the best episode? No, but I still had fun watching it. And uh, I don't even know if they're on their break. They might be on their break before we... Everything returns in like January esque frame. So I'll take it. I'll take it for what it was and see what happens when they come back. What else? That was really short. So I'm going to go ahead and also throw in Titans, which is also going to be really, really short. Titans? I don't get it. We're in the home stretch. We are all in the home stretch of the show. I feel like they tied everything up. 3 episodes ago. That build up to get the team together to get Beast Boy, Starfire, Robin and Raven together kind of culminated when they went and got Beast Boy, when they went and got him from I'm never going to remember that team's name. I know they have a name. And it was my favorite episode when they had to go get Beast Boy. I still don't remember that team's name. But yeah, I feel like it culminated in that episode. And then when they got uh well, kind of trapped by by the big group, the big mysterious group that was trying to get Raven the whole time, and we got kind of a resolution with that, and we reunited Raven with her mom. And then after that, I mean, they're still giving us more information. There's still a lot of mysteries that are not solved. But now it kind of feels like a story that's run on too long. But I mean, this latest episode, we got a lot of reveal. But if, to me, it feels too little, too late especially knowing that this next episode is the finale is the finale so in this latest episode we finally figured out why starfire got there in the first place so starfire and her people knew that raven was about to bring the end of the world <laughs> she was gonna bring the, end, bring the end of the galaxy basically she was gonna free trigon and corey needed to get there and stop that from happening basically Something happened. We never got why she lost her memory, we, but we figured out what is happening there. So we got all that information. Um, we got more. Uh, is it Helen Troy? I want to say Helen Troy. Wonder Girl. We got more Wonder Girl. I'm not sure why they made it combative between Cory and Wonder Girl. Yes, I mean she she kind of got trapped in her head there for a little bit. Raven helped her retrieve her memory, but in doing so, it made Cory become like this just brute killing machine who was trying to get rid of Raven. So, Wonder Girl and Robin managed to get there like just in time and Wonder Girl gets to show off some of her moves, her lasso, and she stops Cory from killing Raven. And then like once Raven comes or not Raven, but once Cory comes to and is like what happened and gets in some information immediately her and helen are just like at each other and helen's like i'm the one who took you down and corey's like i bet you couldn't do it again like why are we immediately making them fight each other i'm so (laughs) i don't understand why we needed that did we need that what was the point of that i don't understand they they to me they very much cemented that helen and robin are not gonna be a couple this is this is a brother sister relationship period so why have her and Corey already not like each other? Don't get it. Thankfully, it's a fleeting moment while we get the rest of the information. Um, otherwise, meanwhile, I will say I appreciated the twist with Raven's mom. I knew she wasn't on the up and up. It, I, it just, with, with the show and all the other all twists and turns they've been giving us, it didn't sit well with me that she found her mom and everything was just gonna be fine. Like that was weird. That was weird. I was sure the mom was up to something, but I thought it was a situation where the mom was an actress and pretending to be Raven's mother, and then we'd find out like the real reveal was to whatever, whatever. But instead of this is actually Raven's mom. This is actually Raven's mom who played the fuck out of Raven. So she was in on the whole gag the whole time. She also was trying to get Trigon to come back, who she calls her love, right? And she figures out how to do that. She plays the caring mother. She she figures out a way to make Beast Boy sick so that Raven is going to be vulnerable enough to, to accept whatever kind of suggestion her mom has given her. And that suggestion is to free her father. Of course. So Raven, you know, trying to save Beast Boy succumbs to that and gives into it and brings her father it was a little anticlimactic for me because when she brings her father back to the realm, he's in a human form. Why isn't he a monster? More questions. Or maybe budgetary reasons. Instead, he's just a regular old human. I'm like, okay. But we did get that reveal with the mom. So the mom this whole time has been playing Raven. She killed a cop. She killed a cop to make this happen. Like, And she's like fully committed to Trigon's I guess, end of the world plan, fully committed to it. So that, I mean, that was interesting. And then to have it kind of phrased up like, Trigon's doing whatever he wants, wherever he can for his daughter. So he saves Beast Boy. And Raven is having a fleeting moment of happiness before her world comes crashing down. So we're seeing that happen. <laughs> but we also get what's happening on the outside. So now that Corey has got all the information and she shared it with Robin and she shared it with Helen, you know they're quick on the path to go and try to stop it. Of course, a barrier happens, but Robin makes it through. Corey and Helen don't, but Robin makes it through. And apparently, he made it through so that we can have this finale appropriately titled "Robin versus Batman." Here, okay, what's happening? Okay, maybe this is a comic book thing. Maybe I maybe this is a, maybe this makes sense if you read Titans the comic. Maybe because all of a sudden we're going to get a full episode. And then they framed it like it's only gonna be about Robin versus Batman. Some people are like, this is gonna be a dream because in some of the trailers that you see for the next episode, you clearly see Trigon. You see the human version of Trigon talking to Robin, inserting himself in whatever's happening with Robin and Batman. You also have a Batman that's acting out a character who's just like straight killing fools, just going and (laughs) kicking people and doing stuff. And Robin's gotta be the one to stop him. Why do we need this? Why do we need this? Why do we need a standalone episode about Robin facing this dual duality he has about being Robin, his real feelings about Batman and what he wants to do for himself? Why do we need the finale to be about that? Wouldn't it be about the team? Shouldn't it be about the team? No, we don't need it to be about the team. Oh my God. Oh my god. Am I gonna watch it though? Yep. Yep. I made it this far. Did <laughs> I make it this far? I might as well finish this mess. Again, it blows my mind. Like when you read reviews on this, reviews about the series, they're glowing. They are glowing reviews about this series. And fans, clearly DC fans, are gonna love it. But a lot of people who, like myself, kind of dabbled in the DC pool a little bit really fallen for the show, really like the show. I Maybe my bar is set too high. Maybe my expectations for a cohesive story, just too high. There's been high points for the show, for the series as a whole. But for me overall, this is very much Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And this is coming from somebody who loves Marvel, hates Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh my gosh. I wanted to love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Never happened. I could never, I, I never ever got, fully into it because it just felt so scattered all the time. And I don't know if that's because it's a week to week format. So they have to spread out the story, which gives me way too much fucking time to dissect everything. Or if this is because it was their first, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's their first run as a brand to create a series like this. And it just feels clunky, overcrowded and amiss. What the decision making, why? I want to really harp on the negative on this on the show, but I also have to give it its props. They they gave us Anna Di, oh, Diop 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 Diop. They gave us Anna. They gave us Anna, who is killing it as Starfire. She is a strong strong pull for me to keep watching this show. Her and Beast Boy. I love the kid who plays Beast Boy. He does amazing. for The little bit of time he gets. I love him. I love him. I love Starfire. Robin, I don't really care for. The guy who plays Jason Todd, though. Amazing. That whole episode we got with Jason Todd? Worth it. Worth it. I mean, yes, it was a mess. Yes. Did it really feed into the Raven storyline? No. But I loved meeting this character who is off the ball. Off the wall insane, knows it and accepts it. Like it's just like yeah, I get to knock people out all day. It's great. Like he's a mess. He's a mess. He's an honest mess and I appreciate him for it. If we get more episodes like that, cool. I know it's already green light for a second season. I know it is. There's no way DC is not going to pounce on the good acclaim that it's received and not make it a second season, I highly doubt it. I know some people are like, well, they're probably gonna change up the team. Like we're probably not gonna get the same people again. Do we even have the first team? I think we need to have the first team before we start shaking it up and bringing new people in. They're still refusing to call themselves a team. Raven still doesn't have a control, on, control of her powers. So, so, so I'm really hoping um, if they do, because I know some people are saying they're gonna include Blue Beetle. So if you watch any of the DC animated movies, that go on about Titans, because there's a whole, I want to say there's two or three movies, two? Three? There's two or three movies that kind of mimic the series where we're looking at right now, where you got a grown-ass Robin and a grown-ass Corey, and they are a couple, but you have Corey who's leading the Titans, and then the Titans are basically Blue Beetle, Beast Boy, Raven, um a blonde chick I never remember who always turns out to be a bad guy. She can lift rocks. And Damian, Damian Wayne. So I will be, I will be surprised if the second season is like, yeah, that was tame enough. Let's go ahead and change it up. I'd be really surprised because this whole first season has been the buildup of them coming together begrudgingly coming together and robin keeps escaping at the first chance so it still hasn't been them like as a team functioning so i'm hoping the second season will at least do that but who knows we got trigon in the second to last episode of this goddamn series and now we're going into finale where it's just gonna be batman versus robin for no fucking reason so great that's great i talked about titans way longer than i needed to so after this we're gonna be going into elseworlds right after this Okay, so the Elseworlds crossover happened that took place of the Arrow, Supergirl and Flash standalone episodes and they got them all together in one happy place. I was here for it. I'm here for it. I love the crossovers. As campy as they wanna be, as crazy as they wanna be, as kooky as they wanna be, I love them. I love them. The first one was amazing. The second one, appreciated got a little moody for me in some places but I still loved it still appreciated it third one which is the one we're in right now I think this is the third one it's not the fourth one is it I don't know so this latest one the elseworlds one <laughs> I appre- I liked it I like so you guys know I don't watch arrow so that meant that the elseworlds crossover was the first time that I watched any kind of episode from arrow uh, cuz you had to you had to watch all three shows to get the full crossover and they even like floated around their days. Usually Supergirl's on Monday, but instead she was on like a Wednesday this week. That was interesting. So yeah, they they shipped some stuff around. The highs for me for this crossover included seeing a slightly silly Oliver. I never really understood why they decided to take the direction of making Oliver McQueen a Batman esque trope. I I wasn't I wasn't sure why they did that i'm sure someone was like no one's going to accept it as a tv series if we don't follow the batman outline and make it dark and make it edgy and have him be somebody who's fully disconnected from his feelings we need to do that I've... now i don't really know arrow's full origin but i remember him from the tv series oh, was it called super friends there was like a justice league-esque or maybe it was Justice a league I think it was Justice League of America. So they had a Justice League series in the 90s, this animated series, I think into the 2000s. And Oliver McQueen was one of the characters, of course, because he makes up Justice League. And he just played like a sarcastic, silly guy. Not necessarily Deadpool-esque. Think Flynn Rider from like Tangled. Yeah, think Flynn Rider from Tangled. So (laughs) like a a sarcastic, rogue, charming-esque guy. That's kind of the person he played instead of like this Bruce Wayne wannabe. So I wasn't really sure why we needed him to be like that. I do like that the show kind of like winked and nudged at the fact that they completely did that for him. They completely made him a Bruce Wayne because there was a whole part in there where Barry is excited to meet Bruce Wayne because he knows who Bruce Wayne is. And Oliver is just quick to be like, oh, Batman. They're, Barry, for some reason, knows who Batman is. And he and Oliver is very quick to be like, Batman's a myth. He doesn't exist. Like just shutting it down, because he's basically Batman. So that was cool. Um, uh, actually, back Batgirl, who I wasn't, I won't say it was like harsh against Ruby Rose being Batgirl. I just didn't understand why we needed a Batgirl in the in this little series. But I appreciated it. She was a hi- highlight for me. I did enjoy it having them kind of touch on Gotham. It made more sense watching the series. You know, they pulled their villain out of the Gotham storyline. So it made sense to include Batwoman in this or Batgirl in this. No, Batwoman. I think it's Batwoman. Um, Love the representation that Ruby Rose brings. But I just thought she nailed it. She nailed it. I thought she did a really good job of playing this character, keeping it stoic in some moments. Now, I don't know if this is on purpose or not, but I feel like she flustered, flustered Kara because they were having a whole back and forth in conversation and then it kind of got a little flirty and Kara got really jumpy. So, <laughs> which, same girl, same. Ruby Rose, yeah, like yeah, that would happen. So I thought she did a really good job. I thought she did a really good job playing the Batwoman. woman. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of action. There was a lot of her jumping. And a lot of her landing on cars and some throwing things, nothing too extraneous. If you know the behind the scenes, you know that Ruby Rose uh, has had some some health problems. She's had some medical issues that she's been dealing with. So I could see why they would limit it, but I also understand budgetary reasons. You can't have her flying and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. So I felt it fit in well for what they were doing. I would have liked to seen more. But I was good with what we got, so that was cool. That was nice. Um, ooh, okay, '90s fans, please tell me that you ca- you caught the music they played when they showed Kara talking to Clark for the first time at the at the farmhouse. Tell me you caught that music. If you don't know what I'm talking about, the very beginning of it's the first episode, second one. I don't even remember because I just got started screaming immediately when they show when they introduce us to Kara and Clark at the farmhouse Kara trying to like regroup after everything that's gone down on her show they played save me which used to be the old theme song for smallville the predecessor to all of these dc tv shows i full on screamed when the song came on because i instantly recognized it and then you get to see tyler holland Hol- Holchlin, holland tyler you get to see tyler's beautiful face as clark he i think he just does a really good job of playing Superman, he does a really, really good job. Do they give Superman a lot to do? No. Is this his show? No. So I was good with, with the space they gave him and how they used him. Because he, honestly, if we're talking facts and figures, he clearly could have saved the day with his eyes closed and hands tied behind his back. But I'm glad that they took the time to to give it to everybody else to kind of figure out what to do and how to save it he kind of got pushed into the middle of nothing. like Well, not nothing, but got pushed into the middle of something that he didn't really have a full story on, like, of what to expect or what to do with. And and this particular Clark hasn't had a whole lot of, uh, well, I am not want to say adventures, but yeah, adventures that, you know, comic book Superman has necessarily, because this is a slightly different Clark with Kara being the spotlight Kryptonian, so... I was cool with what they did with him i was just glad he was there it was nice to see him fight alongside everybody that was cool him getting introduced to everybody i love that uh, oliver immediately started puffing out his chest that was hysterical and very very much catching at great that was perfect uh what else i also loved okay i didn't love the fact that lois lane was gonna be a part of the series again i was like why why do we need lois as well We're barely going to show Superman. Why do we need to introduce Lois for some reason? But, I mean, she wasn't bad. So the Lois Lane character for this series, uh, she had her quippy remarks. She showed up. She had a weapon. I don't know what that weapon was. So comic book fans, help me out. It it looks like a hammer. It shoots like a gun. I don't know what it is. So she had that. She helped kind of also fight and save the day. My biggest standout was the shoutout to Margot Kidder. So Margot Kidder passed not too long ago. And they gave this Lois Lane, Lois Lane her dress. Her dress. Margot Kidder also played Lois Lane in the 70s Superman. Um, oh, When Christopher Reeves was a Superman. He's my Superman. But the, the very end, the very last episode, when... I, did they declare that? Lois is pregnant or that they're trying to get pregnant, something, but basically Clark proposes to her and she is in Margot Kidder's dress. And it was like, okay, okay, I am in. this is fine. This is fine. So it touched a lot of my nostalgia feels, the crossover. So I did a really good job at doing that. I don't get why we can't have Black Lightning also play in the crossover. Why can't he join? Why can't they join? More questions. I think they should allow it, but anyway apparently that's gonna be a long time coming ah uh, what else that was pretty much it i liked their villain uh i loved the shout out to the 90s flash we got our 90s flash there it wasn't a whole lot of 90s flash but that was okay i looked they actually called his world earth 90. <laughs> so that was great it was wonderful to see all this nostalgia in one place so that was really cool um, but yeah, otherwise that was, that was pretty much it. Worlds was just a nice little ride of, oh no, there's a big bad. Oh no, we need everybody's help to get it done. Oh no, it looks like we might not be able to do it. Just kidding. We can do it. We're done. We did it. We did it. So it's fine. I did like, like the, the switcheroo, seeing the characters react to the switcheroo with Iris fully believing that, the Oliver version of Barry was her Barry. I loved the little quip in there. The, the read, really, where she's like, you know my type of guy, babe. Like, I like abs. <laughs> I have a certain body type that I like. That was hilarious. Hilarious. And like I said, I don't watch Arrow, so I didn't know about the the issues that Oliver was having with Felicity, which also seems to happen a lot in the crossovers. We usually get a, like a lot of couple love story between those two where iris and barry are the standouts and oliver and felicity are like people trying to catch up is that on purpose i don't know anyway so that's happening as well and that i mean that was pretty much that was pretty much it it was a good ride i enjoyed it i'm probably gonna watch it again over the winter break my little mini winter break with christmas coming up here um but otherwise, yeah, I thought it was good fun. It was good fun. It was tied up nicely. We got to see a lot of, a lot of faces. They said they weren't gonna do a crossover with Legends, but we got to see Gary from Legends. He showed up in the in the little crossover, so that was cute. But uh, otherwise, yeah, that was it. Not Nothing too big, nothing hugely revealing, except for tidbits for the next crossover, which is gonna be the Crisis of Earths, apparently. So hopefully we'll get Black Lightning in that one. They know who Supergirl is. They're at least sharing that earth. So who who knows? I'm just going to hope for the best. All right. So after this, we're going to be talking about Midnight Texas, which gets a whole segment by itself because it was so good right after this. Hey, it's Joe, a.k.a. the Curvy Geeky Fangirl, and I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to this podcast and also to ask you to rate, subscribe, and comment anywhere you hear this podcast because it really helps me out. Just let me know on what it is that you guys like to listen to or what you think I should skip over. You can also reach me through my social medias. I am everywhere as Curvy Geeky Fangirl. With the exception of Twitter. Of course, Twitter has limitations. So take out that A and take out that I on Fangirl, but you'll still reach me that way. You can also hit me up at my website, curvygeekyfangirl.com. Okay, Midnight Texas. Oh my gosh. So the Midnight Texas is on it. I mean, there's some things in there that I do not agree with some of the story points that they've chosen that I don't agree with out of pettiness. Um, but also because I fell in love with the characters and how dare you try to change things up or how dare these characters want to leave and go build better lives whatever. So that being said, this episode, it, it's moving fast. It makes me wonder if, uh, if Midnight Texas doesn't have a whole lot of episodes to use because we are, we are moving through story pretty fast pretty pretty fast so i was right i was right i had uh previous uh no, not suggestions but theories that patience was somehow pulling all the strings it really creeped me out that she only wore white that was weird that still is weird she w- she only wears white she's a very pale woman and she only wears white I'm like this is strange but also just like how Flippant she was about staying committed to Kai, but still sleeping with Manfred. Like she she had no qualms about it. It was really weird. I mean, morally it was, and ethically, it was just crazy for me. But on the other hand, I was like, why is she trying to keep both of them? Like what, to what end? Other than just being greedy, this is still Midnight Texas. So the, clearly there's a bigger lean here. I was pretty sure Kai was the one who killed Creek, but as it gets revealed in the show... It was patience patience was the reason for that it was a lot of reveals a lot of reveals broke down so let's break it down so uh patience is the big bad we found out patience is the big bad we found out she is the twin to theophilus theophilus is the father and or creator and or demon god of magic and if we're paying attention everybody Fiji has become a daughter or a child of Theophilus. So she's a dark magic user now, dark witch, which I guess automatically equates her to being evil. I'm not gonna lie. Evil Fiji is fun. She is hilarious. (laughs) So, but I'll get back to Fiji in a second. So Patience, meanwhile, we find out Patience is the twin of Theophilus and she's been trying this whole time to get her brother's head Back on a body, ah, uh, she talks about how Delilah, who's supposed to be the good witch, basically forced their separation together. Those two were too powerful, so to stop that, Delilah beheaded Theophilus, and I guess left patience to wander the earth for some reason. That seems like a lot of loose ends, I'm just saying, but you know whatever story, there we go, so patience has a has a whole plan to steal a body so that her her brother almost said husband could be a brother husband situation we don't know so that her brother could have a body guess what spoiler the boy the body she wants is Manfred's so that's happening again that's why I think brother husband because she's been sleeping with Manfred for quite some time so mad creepy it's I feel like flags should have just gone up for Manfred when she was like adamant he wear this very ugly necklace. She was like, I got this from a sh- from a shaman. <laughs> this is supposed to help protect you. And it would just make me feel really good if you wore this necklace. Why aren't we asking questions, Manfred? A, which again, when she got to town, she automatically had no qualms about all of the beasties that were living in town. She had no problems with it. B, when the ghost situation popped up, she knew exactly... What the hell he was talking about? And that only that, she was like, no, nah, ghosts can't hurt you. That's not what they do. How do you know this, bitch? What are you talking about? No questions asked. None. No questions. And then see, it was just odd it, how helpful she was about a lot of things, but also, again, why she wouldn't get rid of Kai. So we find out there's a whole curse situation. Uh, in order to get her... Brother husband to come back, they have to get 70 times seven beasts uh and a body and a seance and some kind of ritual to bring her brother back. Uh Kai stealing everybody's essence is how they do that. So even though Glim got his back, Kai has been busy getting other monstrous essences to put into the jukebox. But Kai also has been feeling some kind of way because now he knows Patience has been cheating on him with Manfred. So they're kind of fighting and going back and forth and Patience is running this whole like, well, I feel lonely thing, which I'm, again, I'm like, what? What? I mean, to Patience's credit, she does play like an honest but hurt wife type. So she's very much like, yeah, I love you, Kai. And I don't want to leave you, but... You know you've been doing some some things that I just you know makes me feel some type of way, and the stories we've gotten about Kai and what we've seen as viewers about Kai definitely play into her her perspective of things of him going off and running on these missions and being with random gorgeous people for some reason and like <laughs> leaving her on her own a lot but then we get more of Kai more of Kai's side of things, which is like she's the one who put him up to all, all of this in the first place and he is madly in love with her so he's been trying to get this done for her uh like his life depends on it so there's that um and then we see how fiji ties into it so moving on to fiji fiji was so good in this episode fiji was hilarious in this episode so fiji has been dark witch right she got rid of her blue butterfly which apparently was her feelings and her emotions um and she is like doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Like they had Creek's kind of funeral. There's no body. So can't really have a full, full burial, but they basically had like a memoriam for Creek. And uh, Manfred is a hot mess and everybody's kind of feeling sad except for Fiji. Like she's playing somber and she's keeping her head down. Didn't share a tear. Didn't shed one tear. And when she gets back to the house with Bobo, and Bobo's like trying to gauge her feelings on it. She keeps kind of like avoiding it and he thinks it's weird, but he's also Bobo. So he's like, well, how about sex? And she tells him to go to sleep and like rubs his face. <laughs> and he goes to sleep. If all girls could have that power, could you imagine, you're on like a terrible date and this guy is just like, just just keep annoying and just keeps coming at you and won't, and just won't, it's too persistent. And If you could just tell him to go to sleep, then <laughs> he just passes out and you could leave, oh, oh, wonders. Anyway, so basically that's what's happening. Like, Bobo's kissing up all of her and she doesn't wanna have uh, anything to do with it. And she's like, how didn't you tell me you were sleepy? And he falls asleep. And then she gets ready, goes out and opens this bar up and it's like monster night at the bar. And she's like getting it in, making drinks, flirting, trying to leave with a couple of vampires, whole situation. Bobo wakes up at some point, realizes what's happening, confronts Fiji. Bobo dumb as hell. Because A, we know she's a powerful witch. B, she's been acting weird. She straight up burned his hand in the previous episode. And C, he has no defense against her. So even after his whole confrontation with her, he had to have thought at least a little strategically that, oh yeah, I can't do shit past accusing her (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's it that's it what's my plan b so oh, clearly she takes care of bobo quick fast and a hurry but before she does that she reads the fuck out of bobo which was hilarious she talks she calls him dumb she, <laughs> she tells him she's not in love with him anymore and that she's basically just been using the fool because now she's got all the power she wants and none of the guilt it is great it's, oh my God, I died. I was dying laughing when she was like, are you an idiot? Do you know why the curse is broken? Because I don't love you, you moron. Like, <laughs> oh, I mean, the hurt on Bubba's face almost was worth it. It's terrible. And I, the only reason I can laugh about it right now is because I know it's not gonna last. They're gonna figure out a way to bring Fiji back. They have to. It's Midnight Texas. She's, she's hardcore part of the group of Midnight Texas. So there's no way they're gonna let her stay in the, in the, the faction that she's in. That's not gonna happen. So they're gonna bring her back. But just right now, I'm definitely enjoying Evil Fiji because it was hilarious. There's a whole point towards the end where they trap Fiji. They get her in irons, which apparently is witch kryptonite, to try and get some answers. They're torturing her, but she kind of likes it. But she's still giving them answers because she also wants to mess with them some more. And she's like, why not the truth? That's hysterical. And she, she lays out the truth. She's like, I'm not the one who killed Creek, but I definitely helped to hide the body which kind of lets us further know it's Patience. Patience is the one that did it. Uh, she's enjoying her powerful stature as a dark witch. And then she gets free. She basically lays it down that Patience is going to release her brother. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and that it's Patience that they need to worry about. So Patience though, meanwhile, manages to get Fiji free and turn on the rest of the Midnighters that are there. And that switches us over to Manfred. Manfred is going through it. His life really is a dumpster fire. Um, like I said, he, like an idiot, just wore this very ugly necklace with no questions. And <laughs> he's just intent on getting at Kai. He's convinced Kai is the one who killed Creek. So when he confronts Kai a second time, first time he tried to conf- confront Kai Kai nearly swept the floor with him and tried to take his power. So that was a... And Patience stopped it, which again, should have brought up some flags. They tried to like put it under the... Under everything else that was happening, this emotional pile of her. Like, well, she cares for Manfred. That's why she's not gonna let Kai do that. But no, she needed Manfred in the way that he was so that she could harvest him for her brother. So... Manfred has a second conversation with Kai. And it's like, listen, I know that this is happening. I know what's happening with the head. I know that you're trying to bring somebody back. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. And then you have Kai also turning the table on Manfred and being like, no, I have to do this to help with this. And patients told me this. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And wait, why are you wearing the death necklace? <laughs> so we find out quite late that the necklace around Manfred is to be used on well, the plan was a cadaver, put it on a dead body so that it, her brother's head could take over that body. And Manfred's like, wait, no, Peyton told me this was a good love necklace. And then we see that necklace tighten the fuck up and it starts choking Manfred. And it becomes very clear that, that necklace is supposed to secure a body for her brother's head. And she wants it to be Manfred's. Creepy, yeah. Ancestral, yeah. So, but so good. And then all... Best for last, also the worst for last. What's happening with Joe and Chewie? Joe and Chewie, like I said, were my favorite couple on Midnight Texas in the first season. They were a couple, that was one of the steadiest. First of all, they had been together definitely the longest out of everybody. But I also loved how different they were, both when they were dealing with like their everyday selves and with their special selves. So Joe is an angel, Chewie's half demon, half human. Chewie's more powerful than Joe, to be fair, to be honest, facts is facts. He's mad powerful, but he also is like crazy bloodthirsty when he goes full demon. So uh, we had a moment, well, after the bombshell finally dropped that Joe has been cheating on Chewie, Chewie loses it, rightfully so. And we ha- was going after Walker, uh, got, got some innocence hurt in the process in the previous episode, The worst he had done was kind of push people out the way. Nothing crazy, but the start of the second episode, of this next episode, he has been killing folks, like ripping limbs from bodies, probably biting into people. There's a whole part where Joe is helping a man pass that has been basically shredded to smithereens by Chewie. So Chewie has gone full dark side, basically. And it's gonna be a hard turnaround, if a turnaround at all for Chewie, because uh, a lot of lives just got lost in his hate and anger about what's going on between him and Joe. Joe is trying to find, find Chewie and kind of talk him back, and we find out Walker is also tracking Joe so that he can kill Chewie, because Walker's the fucking worst. And then, of course, Joe realizes that Walker is following him. They have a whole conversation where Walker's like, we got to put him down. We got to kill Chewie. He's a demon. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Joe's just telling him to shut the fuck up because he doesn't know anything. And oh my God, shut up. (laughs) So, I get, I get, they're really trying to paint Walker as like this one note. I barely survived a demon attacking my family. And I watched the brutal murder of my mother at the hands of a demon. We still haven't talked about how Joe has all this tech. He introduced a new toy. He's got a glove that can rip hearts out of chests. He has glasses that shows him demon eyes. Daylight, nighttime, doesn't matter. Anytime of the night. And now he also has a compass that kind of guides him towards, de- I guess, demon energy? Demon vibes of some sort that he's using to track Chui. Where are you getting the tech? Who's making the tech? I don't think we're going to get any answers. He's just kind of going to show up and then shh leave so basically we finally get the showdown Joe finds Chewie he's got Walker in tow it kinda looks like he's using Walker as bait he had tied Walker to him so that Walker couldn't wander off and kill Chewie before he'd get to him so he's they're looking for Chewie he's got Walker tied to him Chewie finds Walker first starts attacking him Joe's gotta intervene he's trying to stop what's going on it almost works except that Walker is a fuckface And tries to go after Chewie. And Chewie's got to go after Walker again. So it's a whole fight. They're having a whole fight back and forth, back and forth. Gets to the point where Joe's got to make a decision. Because Chewie is about to kill Walker. And he decides to go and end Chewie. And this is right after he had the whole conversation with Walker. Where he's like, if I'm going to choose between you or my husband, I'm choosing my husband. Bitch. So. But then he chose to save the human. Because he's dumb. So, but... Yeah, no, he's dumb. Walker, of course, sees it as, well, it means that, you know, he really cares about me. And Joe's like, fuck you. Fuck you so much. Fuck you so much. If you hadn't even showed up, none of this would have happened. Wrong answer, Joe. But, you know, whatever. But he tells he tells Walker to get out of his face and leave. And I'm hoping this means that this is the last of Walker. I really hope this means this is the last of Walker. I swear if Walker and Joe end up getting together, that's it. I'm flipping everything. I'm flipping all the things. <sighs> so anyway, he mourns his husband. He ends up having to bury Chewy, And I, I don't know if this is in an act of sacrifice to him because of everything that went down or atonement because of everything that went down. But Joe cuts off his own wings, lays them on Chewie's grave and walks off. Now in this world, I don't know what that means. I don't know if him cutting off his wings makes him truly fallen and the fact that he's now human since he no longer has his wings or if they're just gonna grow back. And that was just a painful way to memorialize his husband. I don't know. Why did Joey have to die? Thousands of questions. We have a show based in Texas. We have no Latinx rep- representation. Maybe Kai. Maybe Kai. He's not going to be a core member of the group, though. hes I'm pretty sure he is for this season only. So if they get another season, I don't think he's coming back. He's definitely not a part of the core group. So... And that's a maybe on a Kai. That's a maybe on Kai. Chewie definitely provided Latinx represent- representation for the show. Based in Texas. So... I- uh, So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But the show was good. I loved all the twists and turns with it. Loved every minute of it. And I also love the fact that there's another episode coming out of it on Friday. This show is not going on hiatus. This show is going to keep showing episodes. I appreciate you, show. I appreciate you greatly. So, thank you for that. And then, real quick after that, I wanted to talk about The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, A Midwinter's Tale, It was really cute. It was one episode shot. It was tied into our festive holiday season. We have Sabrina celebrating the winter solstice. Meanwhile, her friends are getting ready for Christmas. You've got Susie, who's excited to be Jingles the elf, which is like this uh, mall elf that works with the mall Santa. There's a creepy situation happening with the mall Santa. The mall center Santa. uh, They call him Balter. I don't, from what I've researched, briefly, briefly researched, Balter is kind of a spin on Krampus. So Krampus, if you guys don't know, is a demon that gets bad kids in like Germanic folklore. So you had Santa who gave you gifts if you were a good kid. And then you had Krampus who would steal you and maybe murder you if you were a bad kid, because we need steep Steep, steep odds and punishment, apparently. (laughs) Steep consequences, apparently. So um, Balter is kind of a spin on that. So rather than just straight kill you, he will dip you in wax to preserve you uh, for something. So we had a mall Santa that was doing that. Like They they set it up to show us that kids have been missing throughout the years and that this mall Santa remains a mall Santa, which is kind of creepy. And no one else clocked that this dude doesn't age. So, Susie's whole little storyline is that she becomes Jingles the Elf, which is something that she'd always wanted to do. She also gets caught up in the, the trap of this creepy Balter character, AKA Mall Santa, and she almost becomes a wax figurine, except that her friends finally get it together and figure out a way to save her. Uh, we have Roz, who is still getting her cunning. I don't, it really upsets me that they call it the cunning. We can't just say that she's got the sight We got to say she has the cunning. Okay, sure. So but basically she gets glimpses of seeing the mall Santa in his real self. And she's not sure what to make of that. And then as soon as Susie goes missing, she's like, damn it, now I know what that is. So she ends up going to Sabrina's. They've set up the story so that it's right after Sabrina has come out to all of her friends as a witch. And rightfully so, all of her friends are weirded out by the fact that she is a witch. They're kind of like, yeah. Yeah, there's there's not a, gonna be a normal way to handle all of this, so it's just gonna be awkward. So like you see a whole there's a whole segment where she's trying to catch up with her friends and she invites them to help you know join the solstice with her and they're just like mm, no, no thank you. So but Roz realizing that Susie's in trouble puts all her her feelings about what's happening with Sabrina aside and lets her know what's going on and Sabrina and Co get into action to help get Susie. And it works. Uh, We also get a random storyline with the ants and Sabrina and her cousin. We get introduced to a character called the Gryla. And she is a character that they gave a really crazy story to. Apparently, it's also rooted in some kind of mythical folklore. Like, I want to say Nordic, Austrian, up that way, up that way, where all the snow is. And basically, this was, is based around a, a female who in like the direst of the winters where there was no food and it was just a lot of snow everywhere, uh, made a pact with a friend to kill their firstborn child, children, to get food. Like that was the pact. So she went first and she killed her son in order to have food. Uh, her only son, by the way. And uh, to have food. So they made food with with this baby. And then when it came turn for her friend to do it, her friend was like, nah, man, I'm not a monster, and dodged out. And so in her grief, she kind of became insane and became a full witch and uh, now takes on all of the unclaimed children, so like orphans, but also is the mother to something they call the Yule Lads, which are these mischievous poltergeists who are a little dangerous. They put a baby in the oven. They were wrecking. The, the Spellman House, so that was happening. So they had to kind of face off with Gryla. There's a whole situation where uh, is it Zelda? Pretty sure it's Zelda. One of the ants uh, stole a full baby, a whole baby, uh, from their from their priest, <laughs> and was very much tempted not to give this baby back. But after th- everything went down and the fact that Gryla could come back at any time to claim this baby. They realize we have to give the baby back so that at the end of the episode that was the conclusion they came to what else was happening on that show Ooh, we had the end of the sabrina harvey thing so sabrina has been hemming and hawing about harvey she loves harvey but you know she broke up with him at the end of the last episode they also really didn't have a whole lot of trust in the relationship by that end of the the series with this previous series and not a lot of a lot of p- pathway to move forward as a couple with this new with the, all the new revelations that dropped so harvey found out she was a witch not only that, that she was a witch but that she had been casting on him for quite some time she, she says with good intention and like trying to save him from stuff but it's also kind of selfish intention which harvey points out she also is very much tied to the loss of his brother So his brother got into a crazy accident in the mining cave from the previous season. And that, I mean, she had, it was kind of Sabrina's fault that went down. There were these mischievous uh, other witches involved that were basically bored and wanted to do something. And they wouldn't have known about some of the stuff that was happening on the human end of stuff if Sabrina wasn't also in the mix. So a cave-in happened, uh, but Harvey wasn't mad at her about the cave-in. He was mad at her about the action she took after that cave-in. So to help Harvey out, she was trying to basically uh, resummon her, his brother. She brings back to life the corpse of his brother, just like that. Not his brother, just the body. Uh, the body has a lot of violent tendencies because it doesn't have a soul, And it's kind of wondering why it's alive. So to fix that, Sabrina's like, well, I'll go get his soul. She goes into purgatory, gets caught up with her mom, gets distracted a hell of a lot, manages to find Harvey's brother, but lose him at the last second. To the point where his soul gets devoured. So there's not gonna be any rest for this poor boy. And he's never getting back into his body. So now she's gotta come clean with Harvey. Mind you, this is all previous episode. So now she comes clean with Harvey about what everything that went down, and Harvey's rightfully pissed. He's mad that she took it upon herself to do all this and make things worse on top of it. And not only that, but all the lies of everything that happened before, it's a lot. It's too much. And it's a lot of magic. Also, they gave us a little background to the fact that Harvey's family were witch hunters. Because sure... So all of that, boom. And then we get into the winter solstice where she's trying to talk to Harvey about stuff and he's telling her how, you know, his dad is like crazy alcoholic right now with everything that went down. And she's like, well, I could fix that. And he's like, no, thank you. And then she gets him presents. Well, some kind of coloring pencils because he's a drawer that never ever have to be sharpened. And he's like, no, this is tainted with magic. I can't have this either. She takes it upon herself to go ahead and help him with his dad's situation she makes a vat of eggnog that is spelled to make his dad not want to drink anymore. Works. Harvey realizes that's what she did and thanks thanks her for it, but is like, fucking stop. I don't need you to do any more magic. And then basically straight, tells her straight to her face, I can't be around you and I can't be around all this magic right now. Right now it's too much with the loss of my brother, everything else that's going on with my dad. I can't do all of that. I can't do it. And of course, it hurts there a little bit. But I was like, this is like very honest, frank conversations. Yes, it's based around magic and it's completely fictional. But most people I know don't come to those conclusions like that, realizing this this is what's best for them. I don't want to say fast, but so honestly. So I like that. I like that Harvey's like really, really thinking about things and being like, this is what I can take and this is what I can't take. And I can't take this. So pass. Um... But yeah, that was pretty much it. It was a lot of Sabrina Harvey. Well, we had the whole storyline with her mom. So Sabrina was trying to get in touch with her mom this whole time. They do a seance. They managed to bring her to fruition. And then she gets to see her mom almost in like a physical body form type of deal. I'm still not 100% sure that was her mom. I don't know if that was just Lilith pretending to be her mom or if this was literally her mom. She doesn't get a whole lot of answers either from her mom. Just that, um her mom wouldn't force any other human to go through what she went through to be with a witch and that Sabrina needs to watch her back kind of basically basically and that was it and then we ended it they weren't going to give us a whole lot of story because this is just like a little filler little Christmas thank you for checking out the series and the new series is still I mean it got greenlit for a season two pretty quickly so some I want to say next Next year, October-ish, is probably when we're going to see everything else that's going on with her at that witch academy, with her friends at their regular high school, and what that all means. So, But otherwise, it was cute. It was really, really cute. And uh, real quickly, I'm going to talk about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Spoiler-free edition. I liked it. I really liked it. There was a moment in there where I absolutely teared up. My feelings, my feelings just felt like they were being manipulated a lot in a great way, but definitely a lot. I spent a lot of this movie like on the verge of tears and or crying. Uh, <laughs> I loved how they introduced all the characters. I loved how we got introduced to Miles Morales. That's not really a spoiler. We all know he's in the movie. And... I just really liked how they overlapped a lot of different variants of story together for Spider-Man. The self-awareness Marvel is known for, the inside jokes, all of it, all of the above. I had a really good time watching Into the Spider-Verse and I'm definitely gonna be checking it out again really soon. That's it. That's it for the spoilers on that. And I'll get more into it next week, but pretty much that's gonna wrap it up for this week's edition of the Kirby Geek Fangirl Podcast. I can't promise I'm going to get another episode out <laughs> by next week. Next week, if you're in the United States, is going to be Christmas, and that's that's some kind of a big holiday over here. So I'm definitely going to be eating um, and probably sleeping at some point, and you probably won't get another episode till the week after, which will be a little bit after New Year's. So, or maybe sooner. We'll see. We'll see how everything goes. Now how my planning works. Because you guys, yeah, that's happening as a thing. But otherwise, really, really good. Um, oh, I mentioned Tidelands. Tidelands is a show on Netflix that came out. And that's, again, once I finish it, I'll get r- bigger into spoilers on it. But right now, I'm quite enjoying it. If you like soapy, a, a little campy, but rooted in mythology type shows with a lot of sex in it. This show is for you. It's quick. It's from Australia. Uh, that means it's going to be a short episode series. Australia, like the UK, they don't do 22, 30 odd episodes. They do like eight. <laughs> like, so Then that's exactly what this is. It's got eight episodes. The story, the mythology for this show, actually really good. I'm actually really enjoying it. Small pet peeve is that they're mixing sirens and mermaids together as if they are one thing. They really aren't. They really aren't. If you know your mythological monsters, sirens technically are half women, half bird. Mermaids are the ones that are half human, half fish. So, but in Tidelands, sirens are half human, half fish. They're mermaids, basically. And basically, the show is built around a lot of drugs. There's a lot of drugs and a kind of a mystery around a group of people that live on this, like. It's not a separate island, but it's an island offshore of like the main, mainland area where everybody else is. And they kinda, they're, they're seen as a hippie commune, but they're also kind of elitist. So you're like, you're dealing with that dynamic, this classism situation, and a lot of drugs, and a lot of drugs. The the mysteries in it, pretty good. The storyline is there, is there. I'm not going to lie and tell you it's the greatest story ever told. I will tell you, it's a good binge. It's a good binge show. It's not bad. And if you like, like, like the Sabrina the Teenage Witch-esque type of story, or you're into like the CW stuff, like Riverdale or anything else on CW, where it's like a little story, a lot of sexual innuendo, and then a little more story, it's that. Except now it's on Netflix, so you can get full nudity. And they will show you it all. Guys, girls, don't matter. Equal opportunity, equalish. ish equal-ish. Top, top, top opportunity. You have a lot of scenes where you're like, they're having a serious conversation. You know what we need to break this mood? Somebody shirtless. And then that happens. So, I mean, that, <laughs> there's a lot of that. But I also really like the mythology on it. So I'm gonna check it out some more and see what else happens in this show. And then give you guys a, a better breakdown after everything kicks off. But now this is going to wrap everything up for Kirby Geek Fan Girl. Uh, if you guys like it, please rate and subscribe wherever you hear this podcast. This podcast shows up on iTunes, Google Podcasts. I think that's a thing. Google Play, definitely. Uh, Stitcher, Spotify, and more wherever you listen to it. It'll probably show up right there. Rate, subscribe, comment if you like. If you guys listen through the Anchor app, you can record your own message and send it to me through the Anchor app. You might even show up on this show. I'm just saying. You know, we have a whole actual conversation in real-ish time. You know, things to think about. But uh, that's really going to be it. So I hope you guys have a great holiday, if not a great rest of the winter or winter solstice, whatever it is that you celebrate. And I'll try to talk to you guys as soon as I can. Have a great rest of the week. Bye.